Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is taking a day off, so that means our Bernie is uh, standing in for John Paul. She's taking your calls now at 0818 103 103. Anything you want to share with us, give Bernie a call. You can text, you can WhatsApp as well to 086 103 And can we start by sending congratulations to Munster Rugby? And there's some wonderful scenes captured in the papers this morning of Munster Rugby's win over South Africa last night. We'd been talking about it yesterday because history was made yesterday with Munster Rugby taking on South Africa at Porky Cueve. There was a sellout crowd of 41,500 thousand people and that of course as we mentioned yesterday was the largest for a rugby game ever in the province of Munster and I know when I started talking about it yesterday and wishing everybody luck and hoping that they would enjoy their evening in Porky Cueve watching rugby for the first time we ha- I have to say we got inundated with people saying does anyone have tickets for sale so while there was 41 and a half thousand people I imagine double that if they could could, could have found a stadium with double the capacity they probably would have filled that as well but it was quite a convincing win for Munster 28-14 uh, and it, it's, the conditions were pretty pretty miserable as well there was a lot of rain uh, last night but it's a terrific win for Munster and also I suppose history was made again because it was Munster's first success over a South African side. It was their fourth time playing them. Now, the last time uh, they played them was 52 years ago, but it was their first time to beat uh, a South African side. And of course, Munster Rugby and Cork GAA, they both did rather well from a financial point of view out of the occasion uh, last night. And of course, now the question that's been asked, could there be future rugby matches played at the park? And I saw in the examiner today that Munster Rugby Chief Operating Officer, a gentleman by the name of Philip Quinn. He said they're going to keep all of their options op- open. He said what the future holds, nobody knows. He said there are always opportunities where we have had to move games out of Thomond Park and we would look at coming back to Porky Cueve or they said indeed other stadia around the, pro- the province. There, he said it was a huge deal for us to play a game in the co- home of Cork GAA. He said it's a privilege 
privilege for us and it's something we are very, very thankful to the GAA for permitting. So it seems to have been a success all round. So one wonders, will we see more Munster rugby matches played at Porky Cueve uh, going forward? And I am assuming for all uh, all within the hospitality sector in uh, Cork, they would have been particularly pleased with the event last night because it brought so many people into Cork. So there would have been a spin-off uh, to the economy and no doubt there was was a couple or maybe a few more pints drank last night and if you are somebody who enjoys a pint on a night out you're probably waking to the bad news that the price of a pint is set to go up. Now I went through all of the papers today and it depends on what paper you're reading and what journalist is writing the story because there are talks of the pint going up by anything up to 50 cents. Some are saying 25 cents, some are saying 40 cents, but it looks like like it'll, it'll come out somewhere between 40 and 50 cent extra per pint. And this, of course, is to do with the news that Heineken have contacted all of the uh, publicans and the outlets who take their kegs that the price of a keg is uh, going up. Now, obviously, the move when this news broke yesterday has been criticised immediately by the publicans. They're demanding that the brewer stop this madness because costs are increasing across the board for for everything else. I mean, I don't think there's ever a right time for a price to go up, but this it certainly couldn't have come at a worse time for the, for the hospitality uh, sector. Heineken Ireland, of course, it won't just be the price of a pint of Heineken because Heineken also produce uh, Murphy's, they do, and Beamish. They also do Moretti, Orchard Thieves and they also of course produce cores so anything that comes out of a keg is going to go up if you buy it by the pint by about 50 cent per pint. Heineken told uh, publicans that the they're increasing the price of the keg at the moment it's 169 euro and they're putting it up to 185 uh, euro and that's before the addition of VAT so publicans will pay even more than that. Now that works out at an extra 17 cent per pint which would be a 9% increase and it comes into effect from the 1st of uh, December. The brewer has attributed what this uh, to unprecedented cost increases in their supply chain uh, including everything from energy to packaging costs have gone up, raw materials have gone up, um, malt costs they've gone up by 120% and obviously diesel, they would use a lot of diesel in, and in the distribution of the products but I also imagine in the making of some of the products as well they've increased by 67%. Publicans hitting out at the move the Vintners Federation of Ireland are quoted in the papers as saying it is extremely concerned about the impact that this move is going to have on the trade. There is, they say there's never a good time for such a price increase but in the current climate when everyone is feeling the impact of soaring costs this is particularly poor timing. That's a quote from Paul Clancy, the Vintners Federation of Ireland's chief executive. Due to the cost of doing business, most publicans will have to pass on the price increase to their customers. The cost comes as increases in the price of everything is going up. We all are seeing the price increase, price of food, 
energy all going up all that's all going to set to continue to plague householders right into the new year as inflation these were the figures that came out yesterday they've reached their highest point in almost 40 years inflation in October came in at 9.2% that's according to the Central Statistics Office and the last time they were at that height was back in 1984 now inflation rates had peaked during the summer because I remember talking about it it was at 9.1 and it seemed to stay steady for a couple of months so we were thinking all right is this kind of the peak and will it start going back Um, and if anything it looked like it was sliding slightly but unfortunately there was a surge in the last month for the month of October now that in particular was driven by the hikes in the cost of home heating energy bills we all know and knew that energy bills were going to rise from the start of October so that obviously had a knock-on effect then on the price of inflation in the space of one month the average household was hit with 28% rise in the cost of electricity and a 35.5% rise in the cost of gas in the past year alone electricity has risen by over 70% while the cost of gas has now it's almost doubled in the last year gas has risen by 93.3% they are just crazy crazy increases a rise in housing costs that's also hitting consumers private rents up 11% mortgage interest rates up by nearly 15% in the last year and then of course you add to that the rising cost of food that continues to hit every single household double digit percentage increases in many of the food items which are covered under the consumer price index and a lot of these are kind of the staples they're the things that we buy every single uh, week bread for example that's gone up this is in the last year bread is up 16% poultry is up uh, nearly 18% milk has risen by over 25% and butter has gone up by almost 20% Society of St Vincent de Paul their head of social justice Tricia Keelty said there is a huge anxiety from households who are reaching out to them struggling to pay their bills and to simply do their weekly grocery shop she said the extra social welfare payment that was paid the week before last and the ones that are coming she said that is giving a little bit of breathing space and it definitely is going to make a little bit of a difference but she says they will be gone pretty quickly for most households and she said if you use home heating oil you won't even get a fill for the double weeks that many households receive and she said people will simply be back to uh, square one as we head into what's going to be a very tough new uh, year. So looking at the inc- the increases and the cost of living increases that the government have given in, in the government did say though in the budget when they got announced the you know the double increase they gave in uh, autumn and the various increases that they're giving out to different groups there's some coming in on the, the 15th of this month and then obviously the electricity money that they are giving to all uh, households. They did say they may need to look at that again into the new year to see will they have to give extra will they have to go back to the drawing board and give more payments out and certainly looking at way the way inflation is rising and everything seems to be going up I think they will be going back and looking at having to give a, a dig out to families particularly those that are on very low incomes and those that rely entirely on social welfare uh, but the latest now is the price of a pint it'll go up by anything by 50 cent but I suppose for the families that are really struggling and the families that the likes of of St Vincent de Paul are dealing with 
the price of a pint is probably the last and the furthest thing from their minds. 0818 103 103. Bernie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103, 103. Some of your thoughts coming in on the price of a pint. Uh, this is Heineken products could go up by as much as 50 cent from the start of, of December because Heineken has contacted all of the people they supply to say they're putting up the price of it's the keg of beer to the publicans going off from 169 to 185 Euro. Uh, that's before VAT. It's a 9% uh, increase. Heineken say it should add an extra 17 cent per pint, but most publicans are saying it won't. It'll add even more and it could be as high as 50 cent. Some of your thoughts on this. Somebody says, no harm, Patricia, for the price of a pint going up. They put up the price of cigarettes and tobacco. For those of us that don't go out socially and all we have at home is our few cigarettes, there's no house will ever be broken up because somebody is enjoying a cigarette drink on the other hand many a person fears closing time and the effect that alcohol can have on families Hi Patricia listening to you about the price of the pint going up well I don't drink very often but I do enjoy a Sunday lunchtime pint what do the what will the ordinary person and what and what will the ordinary person have to say about this gas coal heating oil esp and food all going up but our wages seem to be staying the very same i would say we are all just working to live and have nothing else. What's going wrong in the world I'm wondering, thanking you uh, says this uh, listener and uh, yeah and that got me thinking that whenever back in the day uh, when I was growing up, whenever the budget would be on and you remember they would always be the old reliables, they'd put up every you know every single time on the budget the price of the cigarettes would go up, the price of the pint would go up, the pint of the drop of whiskey would go up and the petrol would go up and I always remember my late mother used to hate it when she heard that the price of a pint went up. For that very reason she she used to always say, what about the working man uh, who works hard all week and enjoys just a couple of pints on the weekend? She had huge sympathy for the working man. She wasn't talking about people who go out and abuse alcohol, but just somebody who goes out and enjoys a few pints. Uh, and that's exactly what, what this uh, this person is saying. Works all week and just enjoys a few pints on a, on a Sunday with everything else going up at the moment. Somebody else says that uh, drinkers should, should drinkers stage protests outside of the breweries to get them to change their minds. I don't know if that would work or not. I did see a Dublin publican tweeting yesterday was so annoyed by this and he wanted to point out to his customers that they sell a lot of other products that are not produced by Heineken and was basically saying to customers well switch switch your preference we know that Heineken uh, it's not just Heineken it's Heineken Murphy's Beamish Moretti Orchard Thieves and Coors and this pub was saying you know there are other offerings there and obviously the price of their kegs haven't gone up even though when I heard Heineken announce this yesterday then I wonder will this be the start of the other breweries suddenly then coming out and putting up their prices as well only time will tell but if it's only Heineken then yes uh, the there are other offerings that you can have instead. I don't know if people would go out and start staging uh, protests uh, outside of uh, strikes or not. Uh, thank you for your text. Hi Patricia, I hear, I hear you speak about the price of a pint and it's going up soon. To be honest, I drink myself but the hassle and trouble behind drink and the problems it can cause for, for some families I'm delighted that it's going up. The days of the pubs are limited. It's a dying trade. At the end of the day, there will always be money for drink but in some households 
because they will have a drink over money for food. Yeah, but would you not be saddened if you're saying that the days of the pubs in Ireland are limited and it's a dying uh, trade? People still go out. Now, I know what you're saying. There are people who go out and abuse alcohol, but there will always be people who will abuse alcohol. But for most of us, you know, a trip to the pub is a very sociable occasion. You might go out and meet family and friends. You might go out. A lot of pubs are gastropubs now, so you go out and have something uh, to eat. I would hate to see the day that we would lose, uh, particularly the traditional Irish uh, pub. Uh, it would be dreadful. It would really, really be dreadful if we lost it. But I, I do think you're right. We are losing. We certainly, in the evidence is there, we're losing a lot of our smaller pubs and pubs in rural areas are the ones that are really going to be hit. 0818 Today is the last day for our Christy Moore live at the Marquee ticket giveaway. We've been giving away a pair of tickets every day this week since Christy announced he's coming back to the Marquee on Saturday the 17th of June. I will just play you today's track to make you aware of it. If you know it, make a note of it and later on in the programme I'll tell you when you can text or WhatsApp. I wish the day that soon would come. That's a hard one. <laughs> I That is a hard one. But then when I thought about it, I said, oh, yeah, I know what it is. But I really had to stop and think. All of the others, I think all week straight away, you almost got it. But that's a slightly harder one. I will play that little clip a little bit later on and you will have a chance to enter and win a pair of Christy Moore tickets live at the Marquee. Tickets for Christy Moore are on sale now at uh, Ticketmaster.ie Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818 103 103 People living across the county of Cork may expect to see more litter on our streets next year along with perhaps less maintenance of amenities like playgrounds graveyards and parks because the cash-strapped council council has been forced to cut its budget to its eight municipal districts to get the views from West Cork I'm joined by local councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy. Good morning to you, Patrick. Good morning, Patricia. Can you hear me okay? I can, yeah. The line is lovely and clear. Is it less Perfect, funds yeah. is it less funds going into the council's annual budget or is it down to the increased costs of everything? Um firstly, I haven't spoken to you in a while, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's um it's a combination of factors really. It's it's not a reduction in income coming in, it's more associated with pay rises, with the cost of living increases, with light, heat and power for all our facilities, um, with the cost of, um, you know, materials and subcontractors. So it's a combination of all those things, um, Patricia, that have added significantly to what we expect to have to spend next year uh, to maintain, if not improve, what we have, I suppose. And but I mean, surely the government, our central government, are very aware of the increased costs mm. of uh, everything. I mean, will they, will they? They will have to intervene, surely, and give you additional funds. Absolutely, like they have. They have announced the sixty million package nationally. Like that's that's peanuts in comparison to what we need, um, Patricia. So um, I, I'm sure they're looking at it, and I think us highlighting it here today and us rejecting our budgets shows that. We are not happy at all with the assistance coming from central government to bolster our budgets in this crisis that we have and this perfect storm that has come upon us, um, like reducing the West Cork Municipal District budget by 14%. When we know as it stands, it's not even adequate. Um, and with the increases in the costs to deliver the same amount of services, 
um, it's an increase we should be getting, not a reduction in what we have, you know. Yeah, and of course, this is not just a, a Cork County I- issue. This has got to be a nationwide issue and every local authority mm. around the country, I'm I'm assuming, is, is, is feeling the pinch. Absolutely. Every, every, every local authority will be feeling the pinch because, as I said, you know, there's a, a pay increase, national pay agreement, which will which will result in additional pay costs. There's um, the cost of materials, the cost of subcontractors. We all know what um, uh, how much additional money now subcontractors need to provide the same service. Housing maintenance. You know, all these things are going up and up and up, and uh, yet our budgets are not going up and up. Yeah, that simply can't work. And I suppose we have to put it in context as well, um, Patricia. Like, with the West Cork Municipal District is bigger than... Is probably, the municipal district itself is bigger than uh, half the counties in Ireland. It's bigger than Carlow. It's bigger than it's about the same size as Kilkenny. It's about the same size as Longford, Leitrim, Loud. Like so, the, the scale of the geography that we're dealing with down here in West Cork is, 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 is bananas. You know, one eighth of the coastline of Ireland is in Cork County, and the majority of that is is running from Kinsale West. You know, mm. and so piers, harbours, slipways, uh, pontoons that we have to maintain. The, the, the pressures on us um, in our geographical and demographic area are hugely significant. Yeah, and I also mentioned earlier when um, I was teeing up the fact that you were coming on the on the programme, it seems to me that it's going to be rather unfair on you and the rest of the elected councillors. You're going to face the wrath of the constituents. Well, totally. Um, so we're failing, facing the wrath of them already because, as I say, you know, you get text messages about potholes, about roads and bad conditions, road drainage not being done. Um, so that's happening already. So I can only imagine what it'd be like if, if there was a reduction in, 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 uh, in expenditure, um, like burial ground maintenance, um, the amount of outdoor staff we have, um, public amenities, um, maintaining our playgrounds, our parks, our town centres, litter, as you mentioned in your, in your introduction yourself. All these things will suffer if, if there's a reduction. And even if we stand still, with the exact amount of money we have at the moment, uh, because of the increased cost, there's going to be a reduction anyway, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, a, a few weeks ago, we highlighted on, on the programme the problem with less outdoor staff uh, when you compare with the last number of years. I mean, you wouldn't have a hope of hiring any more workers next year on that kind of a budget. Not, not at all. No, not at all. Patricia. There was a, obviously a recruitment embargo there from kind of 2012 up until about 2018. And really, we haven't... We, we tried to make some, some inroads in it last year, but um, certainly I don't see any wriggle room for increasing outdoor staff in the current budget we're, we're, we're facing at the moment, you know, or what, what's expected. No, we're making significant um, representations at national level that that 60 million isn't sufficient at all, that they've announced for energy... Uh, it's specifically for energy costs... But like there's, there's the whole cost of living stuff, like the, the increase in materials and subcontracting in all these kind of uh, areas that needs to be addressed as well. So mm. that 60 million is not... It's a drop in the ocean. All. It's just a drop in the a ocean. In B- the Bill ocean. in Dunmanway by text says, uh, could you ask pa- Patrick Gerrard, uh, please, will this mean less, m- less money for road maintenance? Absolutely. Like, if, like, like, our, our, like our road maintenance uh, budget in um, roads and transport budget is down 14%. So it's down to, wow. down to just under 17 million. So that's a 14% cut. It would have, it would have been much higher than that last year. 
So that's why we rejected the budget. But I suppose there's another fundamental issue here that because Cork County is so large, I think the Mandarins and civil service in Dublin think, you know, they're big, they can look after themselves. So we are really at the bottom of the um, bottom of the charts when it comes to getting money from Dublin. Um, in all areas, leader funding, in town and village renewal, in, um, like, we're treated as a county, even though, like, our divisions are bigger than most counties. Yeah. North, and it, but it's always been the case, Patrick Jarrett, hasn't it? Mm. I mean, we've yeah. never yeah. seemed to be able to get through to the powers that be in Dublin. We're a unique yeah. case in the size of our county. Absolutely, and that's why the divisional structure was introduced day one, um, Patricia, like we've north, south and west. Yeah. And north, North Division, the South Division, the West Division are bigger than most counties in yeah, Ireland. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And like, like our road, our road network is is over something like, I think our road network is about twelve thousand. The local road network is about twelve thousand seven hundred kilometers. The next comparable county to us is Galway, which is about seven thousand kilometers. So, mm. like, you 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 can imagine the scale that we have to deal with because we're a very rural peripheral area with many networks of roads and local roads and small roads um, that have to be maintained. And that's not recognised at all when the allocation of funding happens at central government level. OK, OK. So what happens now? When I was mayor, I kind of um, pushed for a, a report and we did a, a report to the... Um, the All-Ireland Research Observatory in, in, in Minute did a, did a report for us, and, and it was shocking to see how we were third from bottom or fourth from bottom from all the funding. I remember that. Yeah. I remember yeah, that. And it was, that yeah, and it was right across the board on all funding streams. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. All across the board. Like in, in, in Leader, um, we're the third from the bottom. Leader funding. We're the third from the bottom in the whole country, even though we're the most rural um, county in Ireland. you know? Um, I think only kind of like Fingal in Dublin and Kildare and um, somewhere, you know, like, you know, um, suburbs of Dublin really have lower leader funding per capita that would, than we have, you know. Yeah. And that okay. Just, that just all, all right. So just to finish off, you get to vote on the overall budget at the end mm. of the month, isn't it? That's going to be a very heated meeting. It's going to be it's going to be difficult. Now, I, I'm on the corporate policy group and we're meeting this, this morning at 11. So, um we are hoping to look at options like rates increases. Like, um, is there any further information from from the civil from the department in Dublin as to additional funding? So all these things might allow us to expand our budget. And we, like, I, I don't believe we're going to pass a budget if we don't have the at least the current levels of funding in the municipal districts. But businesses, uh, businesses can take a rate increase at the moment with the way they're struggling. Small businesses, certainly. Yeah. No, absolutely, I agree with you totally, but we're trying to frame it in such a way, we're, well, sorry, it's being looked at in such a way that there'd be a rebate for small businesses who are struggling. All right, okay. I know you were, you were, you were, co- you were covering Vintners. Um, yeah, yeah, the price of the point. Yeah. yeah, they're struggling, seriously. Um, yeah, like but show, show, me, show me any business that, that isn't. I was, that I was, isn't. I was talking Absolutely. about that little supermarket, little village supermarket, a gala store mm. in County Clare, whose electricity yeah. bill had gone from 6,500 to 20,000. You know, I mean, Crazy. just n- yeah. not sustainable. OK, listen, pleasure to talk to you. We'll speak again. <laughs> 
listen, thanks very much. And, thank, and thank you. Thanks for that. Thanks uh, good morning to you. That is West Cork Fianna Fáil uh, Councillor Patrick Gerard Murphy on what looks like a tricky time ahead for the County Council. 0818103103. Bernie, taking new calls. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Research launched uh, today to mark Adult Safeguarding Day reveals that less than 20% of people who experience adult abuse actually reported to the Gardaí are to a health or social care professional, while 41% say they took no action at all. To discuss what are worrying findings, I'm joined by Miriam Tobin, who is HSE Principal Social Worker here in Cork. Good morning to you, Miriam. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're very welcome to the programme. OK, what, what is the most common type of adult abuse in this country? Um, I suppose, to be fair, um, it, it can vary from time to time, but I suppose emotional and psychological abuse uh, proved to be the most significant forms of abuse that people are experienced. And the survey found um, by um, Red Sea actually would cor- correspond with that and correlate to that. And um, we would find that with older persons, um, that financial abuse is a significant consideration as well. And would be there would be, I suppose, lots of evidence that financial abuse does occur um, across Cork and Kerry. And emotional and psychological abuse, can that sometimes be hard to identify and even define? Um, It is very hard to identify and define. And I suppose it it does happen over prolonged periods of time and it's patterns of behaviour that people may accept, especially if it's family members. And this is the way we've always been can be the approach that people take to it. So recognising that it's actually an inappropriate communication, inappropriate behaviour towards somebody can be very difficult. And especially, as I say, if it's family members or people that we are connected to in our lives, it's very challenging for people to accept even that this person is abusing them and the behaviours that they're experiencing aren't aren't right and aren't appropriate and they shouldn't live in fear or with those having to experience those types of behaviours. Yeah, and it's where course of control, which is something that we're starting to understand a lot more about today. Absolutely. Um, Coercive control is a a form of abuse that uh, occurs over a prolonged period of time and can begin and commence very subtly. So people don't necessarily, um, it's not very clear to begin with, and it can take a number of years before it really becomes apparent as to, I suppose, how somebody's ability to make decisions for themselves and their thought process is actually diminished and they become reliant on somebody else to, I suppose, facilitate all their decisions, who manages their money, who decides what they'll wear, who decides if they'll go out. And that doesn't happen overnight. So it's a very slow uh, process and it can take a long time to become apparent that something isn't right when that happens for somebody. And can have devastating consequences for the person. I mean, Uh, literally their life is handed over to, uh, to, to somebody else. Is it more women than men, do you think? Um, I would say that yes, uh, predominantly evidence both within the Red Sea survey and also from the level of referrals that we would receive within Cork and Kerry, um, predominantly there are more women. However, um, men are equally um, suspect to abuse. It does occur and there is nobody safe in the context of saying, well, I'm a man, so I'm not going to be abused. That isn't the case. It can happen to anybody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Why do you believe people are slow to report it? Um, As I say, I think there is a a lot of the time people are, the people who are the abusers are known to somebody. They may have a relationship with them. They may have had a very good relationship in the past. Um, So there isn't a, 
I suppose there's a connection there that people are reluctant to admit that something isn't right. There is also, we live in a society where we have a lot of people who are vulnerable and older living in the in rural areas. And if somebody is calling to them, that might be the only person they see. It might be their immediate contact. It might be the person who is providing a level of support, even though elements of what they're doing are abusive. So for the person to define and be able to decide, you know, I have to make a decision, nobody visits me and I have no support, or I accept a level of abuse that's going on. So those situations are horrifically difficult for people to actually go and report somebody that on one hand is providing them with what's perceived to be a level of support and on the other hand is actually abusing them. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, and if it's a family member. I and a think, family Yeah, member. I think people yeah. are very slow uh, to report a family member. And I suppose the most important thing as well to try to get across to people today, Miriam, those of us that witness it must take action. Absolutely. I think it's to not to be afraid to stand up, to be to take account of ourselves. If we have a concern, you know, concerns are reported in good faith. I suppose I would like to emphasise within Cork and Kerry, we have a safeguarding team. We have a social work team based in Kerry and based in Cork. And we are available throughout the day, Monday to Friday. We have a phone number that I'm happy to share. It's 021 and we have what we call duty, which is basically a social worker is assigned on a daily basis to respond to queries and concerns that people may have. Because sometimes people are reluctant to report, but having a conversation with somebody might provide them with the reassurance that they're doing the right thing. Or if it's not actually, it may be another pathway, we can give them some guidance and support around that decision-making process. But I would absolutely encourage people, if they have concerns, it is really important to stand up, be counted and at least seek guidance and support the person to refer themselves if they can or make that call on their behalf if they're just not in the position to do so. I suppose I would like to emphasise as well the real importance of the Gardaí and that they have a significant role if there is an immediate danger to somebody um, that we don't let somebody in constant state of fear. So to contact the Gardaí if there's an immediate concern um, that that's really important. OK, you mentioned older people uh, there a couple of minutes ago, uh, Miriam. Uh, I read a piece, I think it was a study that came out from Trinity College about financial abuse of older mm-hmm. people and older people losing their financial independence because of the pandemic. And it, 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 it was almost like the perfect storm at the time when, particularly when older people had dreaded word of cocooning and had to stay indoors, yep. that many people then handed over, you know, maybe their bank card or their bank mm-hmm. details to a family member. Seemingly some older people are struggling to get back that independence. Absolutely. Um, That is a a genuine concern that I would say is a national concern. Um, And we would absolutely have referrals that would concur that that situation is occurring across Cork and Kerry. Um, And as I say, some people are very reluctant to share that information themselves because they feel they're, you know, you know, will people even believe me? Um, So there is a lot of, um, I suppose, resistance to, to reporting it. Um, and as I say, they also there's a level of people wanting to be supported. Um, but I would say that we can work with the services across the HSE, such as Home Health and other agencies, if people need support and not to be living in fear of, I won't have anybody if this person isn't coming to me. So I would really encourage people to think about what do they need and how can we help them to make sure that they are safe and free of fear and free of abuse yeah. in their lives. And reach out, reach out. That, reach num- out. that number again, Miriam, 021. Yep. 49275510. Okay. Uh, we also have an email address. Now it's available on the, all these details are on the HSE website if people are looking for us under safeguarding. 
and our safeguarding email, um, which is monitored on a daily basis as well, is safeguarding, S-A-F-E-G-U-A-R-D-I-N-G dot C-H-O-4 at H-S-E dot I-E. Okay. All right, listen, continue good luck with the work that you do, Miriam, and appreciate you taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Miriam Tobin there, uh, who is Principal Social Worker here in in Cork, uh, just to recognise and acknowledge that today is Adult Safeguarding Day. Some of your thoughts still coming in about the possible increase uh, in the price of a pint. Well, we know that there will be increases on Heineken products, but it's how much it's actually going to go up by. John says, Patricia, the Heineken increase will have a knock-on effect on a public profit margin on their products. This will cost jobs and it will close pubs as going to the pub is not now a priority for most uh, people. I think a lot of people will agree with you on that John. It certainly isn't a priority. Somebody else then says putting up the price of drink is only going to drive young people closer to drugs. I'm a father of five. None of the five do drugs, thank God. But I don't know if I could blame them. Um, If drink continues to rise, will they see it as the easier option to go and have drugs instead? And actually, we're going to be talking about young people and young people are starting to drink in this country at a younger age. But tied in with the survey is the amount of young people that are using drugs are using alcohol and drugs and there's a real, real worry in that and I suppose if the drink gets it gets to such a stage that it gets outpriced for young people, is there a concern that they will, this dad is dad or mum, I'm not sure, is worried about that their sons or daughters might look to drugs uh, instead. Somebody else says, great to see the price of a pint going up. It has ruined many a family in this country and John in Clonakilty says Patricia, on the price of a pint going up on the 1st of December, it really won't get noticed in the month of December or in the lead up to Christmas but it's going to be January, February, March, April. That's when a lot of pubs will close as this rise is simply going to finish them off. If you look, anyone's been to Spain you can get a pint of Heineken in Spain for €2.50 such a difference but of course the problem we have here is we tax and excise duty and everything on the price of a pint is way, way higher than what it is in Spain or indeed other European countries. Thanks for your uh, text, John, to 0862103103. And Michael in Bantry was on to us yesterday. He has a house that he rents out and he said last year he rent, registered his property with the Residential Tenancy Board, um, the RTB, and he did it for five years and he said it cost him €90, euro, happy to do it and get it out of the way. Then yesterday he got a bill in for €40 euro to register the property for next year. He said he phoned them and said, sorry now, I registered that property last year for five years but they told him, sorry, new way of doing it now, you're going to have to register it every year. He said he got no satisfaction from wherever he was speaking to with the RTB and asked us could we uh, could we look into it. So we got on to the RTB and we put forward what Michael had told us to see had there been some kind of a change and they tell us that from the 4th of April this year new legislation was actually introduced which requires landlords to register each of their tenancies with the RTB and they must do it every 
year. This must be completed within one month of the anniversary when the tenancy began. Previously, tenancies were only required to be re-registered if a tenancy continued into what they call a further part five uh, tenancy, which I don't fully understand. But I'm assuming that meant if somebody changed, somebody moved, maybe somebody else moved in. But anyway, there's a change and it must now be done on an annual basis. The fee structure has also changed for the private rental sector and for the approved housing body sector with the introduction of this annual registration. The standard fee for private rental tenancy registration is 40 euro. That's what Michael and Bantry has been asked for and it's 20 euro for an approved housing body tenancy uh, registration and then they sent us on a link where you could get information on standard fees and late fees. It's all outlined on the RTB website. So not much good news for Michael or indeed anyone else who has a property that they rent out. There is new legislation that's been put in uh, place and it requires all landlords to register each of their properties every year with the RTB and does it come at a cost? Yes, it does. €40 Euro a year. Now, NCTs and people trying to get NCTs and this was something I spoke about myself because my own NCT was up on my car and I had my appointment booked and unfortunately then I got the dreaded COVID last month and it would of course be on the week that I was due to bring my car for NCT so obviously I had to cancel the NCT went straight online to look for a new appointment this would have been in October and the next available appointment was March of 2023 so I was going to be way out my NCT was going to be long long uh, overdue now I did what Funnily enough, a number of listeners had suggested that I do. I waited up until midnight. I went on to the NCT website and my obviously my details were in there because I had a booking and I put in clicked on the button to reschedule my booking and lo and behold it was Charleville NCT was where I, where I wanted to get my car done. Three slots became available for the following Sunday which was last Sunday which was perfect for me that it happened on a uh, weekend when I was off work so that I was able to go up and get my car NCT'd and it did come a bit of a sigh of relief because I think it was about at that stage about six weeks my NCT was out of date but I'm reading in the Times today that the Department of Transport now are raising concerns over potential litigation arising from the lengthening waiting lists for people to get their national car test appointments. And it's now gone way beyond any previous records. Officials now at the Department of Transport have instructed the Road Safety Authority because the RSA are the agency responsible for overseeing the NCTs. They want them to access the po- to assess sorry the possible liability in the event of legal action by a person. Documents released under the Freedom of Information show that at the end of September, more than, this, wait for this, 360,000 vehicles are awaiting inspection at centres. 360,000, and that's 80% higher than the previous peaks of backlogs. I mean, we've had backlogs before. There's always been periods where there's been delays with people trying to get their NCT. And normally it's at the beginning of the year because most cars, new cars were registered at the start of the year. And that's why they put out the registration to, you know, whereas now a, a new car uh, will be uh, 221 
are 222. So they split up the registration across the year so that we wouldn't have everybody trying to get NCTs and, and trying to get their cars done at the start of the year. But even even at the peak, it was about 150,000 people would have been waiting, but it's gone up to 360,000. The Minister of State at the Department of the Transport, Hildegard Nocton, she's now demanding action. She's instructed the RSA to issue her officials weekly updates on the number of people that are waiting on an NCT. They have to do that on a Friday and then they have to follow it up with a sit-down meeting the following Monday. Now, the NCT service, that's run by a company called Aplus. They were awarded a 10-year contract. It was a €600 million euro contract and they got that in 2019 and they'll have it for 10 years. It won't go back up again. Uh, if, either for Aplus to take it on again or for another company to take it over until 2029. But Aplus have struggled, they say, to hire sufficient numbers of mechanics to address the backlog. For quite a period of time this year, we what they were pointing to for the reason that there was delays with the NCT was to do with the pandemic when there was less NCTs done and people's uh, NCTs were extended because people couldn't go. You couldn't drive outside two kilometres at one stage. And for that reason, there was a massive backlog and we knew there would be a backlog. But I think we're gone on a bit. It's gone on now a bit too long that they can't point to it being the pandemic. So they're not they're now now not using that as, as an excuse. They're saying they have a problem. They can't get enough mechanics to do the test. The problem has become so acute that in September of this year, department officials instructed the RSA to clarify the legal position when a vehicle owner may challenge in court the inability to actually get a test appointment. The process is ongoing, but the department officials have declined to comment on what the nature of the potential litigation that they're concerned about or what that litigation could look like. Now, the current average waiting times for appointments uh, stand at 24.5 days, or that's what... NCT centres will tell you. But we've been hearing on this programme and I know I was reading in the papers that the Dáil have been hearing because obviously constituents have been contacting their um, local TDs. People are waiting up to six months to actually get a date from when when they apply. And despite frustrations on the part of motorists attempting to secure appointments before NCT certs expire, it does remain an offence to drive without one. Now, briefing documents prepared for Minister Nocton state that the department has been providing Gardaí with alternative instructions in relation to enforcement. The RSA has made on Gardaí Siakona aware that some vehicle owners will have issues securing an appointment. But a member of Angarda Siakona may accept evidence that a test booking has been made. But, and there's a big but, this is at the discretion of the members. And we heard only last week or the week before we were contacted by one of our listeners who was stopped. Their NCT was out of date. They were able to say to the guard that, look, I've applied. I can't get a test date. I think they were about two months away from their test date. Had it on their phone, the appointment. But of no use, the guard he said, sorry, it's an offence. You're driving without a valid NCT. And the person was fined, I think it was €80, Euro, along with uh, three penalty points. And then I spotted that one of our own local uh, councillors in North Cork, Councillor Jared Murphy, brought this issue up at, uh, at a council meeting. And he's quoting as uh, somebody that he knows who also was stopped 
and was given the fixed uh, notice by the Gardaí and is trying to appeal it. But but the problem is, because it comes with penalty points, the problem is if you appeal it in court, court, you risk having your fine doubled, but you also risk having your penalty points doubled. And remember, if you get 12 penalty points, you're off the road for six months. So there's, you know, there's a huge nervousness about people driving around without a current NCT search for fear that they just might meet a Garda who is entitled to use his or her discretion and might decide, no, it's an offence, you're driving without an NCT and you can be fined and you can receive uh, penalty points. So the advice now at the moment for people, if you are due an NCT uh, next year, they're, they're saying to people, you really should start applying. And I don't know how far out from your actual NCT date are you allowed to go online and actually secure an appointment because it is looking like people are waiting between five and uh, six months. We'll see if we can get Jared Murphy uh, to join us next week on the on the programme. We won't we won't get to it uh, today. But certainly we are hearing of now I'm I'm assuming and hoping that the numbers that are being fined and getting penalty points are very small numbers and that in the majority of cases the Gardaí are using their discretion and are seeing that the person has genuinely tried to get an NCT and they have an appointment and they're just waiting for the appointment to date to arrive. 0818 103 103. Bernie, taking your call. C103 Jobs. Qualified mechanic is wanted in the Kinsale area. You need to apply by email, please, to Brennan Motors Kinsale at gmail.com. A part-time post office assistant is wanted in Newmarket. Please send your CV to Karen at Newmarket Post Office. Ward personnel are recruiting ground workers. If you have experience in pipeline, drainage, excavation or, con- or concreting, please call 021 239120. And Dano Super Value in Mallow are looking for a fresh food manager. Email your interest please to 344-mallow-hr at supervalue.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. Now the latest national survey from DrinkAware, the charity that is working to prevent and reduce alcohol misuse, has revealed that the age a person takes their first drink is getting younger. To discuss DrinkAware's annual survey, I'm joined by Jennifer Flynn, who is their communications director. Good morning to you, Jennifer. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks uh, for having me. Well, you're very welcome. So (laughs) what is the average age that somebody is taking uh, taking on their first drink and how does it compare to previous generations? Yes. So through our annual survey each year that we conduct, um, we find out kind of the attitudes and behaviours towards alcohol for Irish adults. And what we found out this year was that we asked people what was the age where they first had their first drink. And for the 18 to 34 year olds, we found that it was 14.8 years. So, of course, that's very young. But what's also striking about that is that it's a full two years younger than for people aged 50 and over. So what that tells us, yeah, exactly. It tells us that the age of first drink is getting younger but that for people who are under the age of 50, 
it's con- like it's a cycle of getting younger and younger, and that's especially concerning considering the levels of awareness that we have today around the potential harms of alcohol on our physical and our mental well-being. And at Drink Aware, it's one of our primary goals. We're really, really passionate about delaying the age of first drink. It's a key priority for us. And it's important to remember that delaying the age of first drink is involves everybody in Ireland. You know, you've got parents, of course, who are really important. And I can give you some tips for your listeners on that a little bit later, if you'd like. But also schools, education, community, we all have a role to play in delaying the age of first drink. Jennifer, why do you believe it is so important to delay the age of that first drink? Well, research does show that the younger a person starts drinking alcohol, the more likely they are to experience harms both short term and long term. When you're under the age of 18, you are still developing and the short term harms like falls, injuries, violence, they are, you know, at risk if you're consuming alcohol. Also, young people are, you know, they're going through difficult periods and times and things like that. And alcohol can have a very detrimental effect on your mental well-being. So it is very concerning to think that 72% of Irish adults reported that they first drank alcohol before the legal age of 18. But the younger and younger it gets, the more concerning it is for yeah. us. Yeah, we were discussing this in the, we were discussing your survey in, in the office um, earlier. Um, and, and I was making the point, is alcohol more readily available today than say, you know, young people 20, 30, 40 years ago? It wouldn't have been as available as it is today. And is that contributing? That could be contributing. Um, there are many different factors that could contribute to it, but really at Drink Aware, what we want to do is support parents and support schools in educating young people around alcohol. And that's not just the message of don't drink alcohol. That comes up in, you know, talking about peer pressure and how to deal with peer pressure. As adults, even sometimes we can be really bad at dealing with peer pressure. Um, and it's a huge issue trying to tell people how that they how they can over overcome peer pressure, but also self-esteem and influences social media, coping skills. You know, alcohol doesn't exist in isolation. Alcohol is part of our world and it needs to be viewed in that kind of holistic way and talked about in a very open open way between parents and educators mm. and I young know, people. I, I know for the first time you asked respondents about drug use. Uh, worrying yeah. figures here, particularly for that younger, the, uh, the under 34s. Yeah, so the second finding of concern for this age cohort, so the 18 to 24-year-olds, was around the use of illegal drugs. So we asked um, people responding to the survey if they knew anyone in their social group who used illegal drugs as either a substitute, so decide to take drugs rather than alcohol, or used illegal drugs alongside alcohol. So what would be called polydrug use, using more than one drug at one time. And we found that for 18 to 34-year-olds, 62% of them said they know someone in their social group, their peer group, that does one or other or both of these behaviours. And that's really concerning because our third finding was around the mental well-being of this age cohort. So levels of of low mental well-being were much higher for those aged 18 to 34, especially for the 25 to 34-year-old age group who had the highest levels at 45%. And when you compare that to people over the age of 65, they reported it at 14%. So you've got a huge difference huge between the difference. older age group. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's very concerning. We know that mental health and well-being is 
is is an issue in the country and it has been since before the pandemic, but the pandemic definitely exasperated it. And then we've got, you know, the cost of living, the war in Ukraine. There's a lot going on that can impact our mental well-being, the housing crisis, lots of things going on. But we're seeing that it's primarily affecting those younger ages. Okay, and binge drinking, uh, Jennifer, is that still something that would concern you? Yeah, binge drinking is one of our biggest concerns at Drinkware. Um, Binge drinking is when someone drinks six or more standard drinks in one sitting. So that could be a 100ml glass of wine, half a pint of beer or a pub measure of spirits. And for the 25 to 34-year-olds, we found that they are more likely to binge drink with 68% of them reporting they had done so in the past 30 days. And the reason why binge drinking is so concerning is that it does increase the likelihood of both short-term harm, so the things I spoke about a little bit earlier, the risk of injury, accident, violence, those kind of things, but also the long-term harm because simply our livers cannot process that quantity of alcohol in the short space of time that we're asking them to. And that leads to an awful lot of health problems. And one that's often forgotten about is our heart. Um, high blood pressure is, is a big problem in Ireland and alcohol contributes to that as well. OK, and finally, you mentioned parents who have a, a really strong role to play here in educating their children about alcohol and the dangers of alcohol uh, abuse. What do you suggest parents can do? Yes, yeah, so we know that underage drinking can be a tricky issue and it's a hard conversation to have. And we do have lots of resources on our website at drinkware.ie specifically for parents. So we have lots of information on there. But for your listeners now, my first piece of advice would be to get the facts yourself first. So go onto the website or, you know, find out for yourself what the low risk weekly alcohol guidelines are, how alcohol impacts your health. Uh, physical and mental well-being as well and then to look at role modeling so role modeling would probably be the biggest piece of advice that we could give to parents it's really important to try and ensure that the adults in your home are showing a young person that alcohol isn't necessary for say every event every celebration and that you're not showing that alcohol is used to cope with stress or to help you sleep we know children learn by watching their parents And when parents have healthy behaviours and attitudes towards alcohol, they're showing their children that they can do the same. So it's really, you know, what you can see, you can be, you can do. And also another piece of advice just for now would be to be careful around some of the myths there are right there. One of the most common ones would be if I supply alcohol to my child or my teenager, I should say, in the home, they're 16, 17 years old, they're less likely to drink alcohol outside the home. But all the research and evidence post uh, post to that's actually having the opposite effect and that people who are supplied alcohol in the home by a parent or a trusted adult are just as likely to drink alcohol yeah, outside yeah, the I home. Yeah, I think that, that, mil- that, that miss was doing the rounds for so many years, wasn't it, that you educate exactly. your children by, gi- by giving them drink. All right, OK, yeah. so drinkaware.ie, uh, people can get additional information. Jennifer, in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thanks a million. Uh, Take care. Good morning to you, Jennifer Flynn, their communications director with Drink Aware. But worrying to think that uh, people are starting to have, young people are starting to have their first drink at an even younger age, at uh, just over 14 years of age. A listener says this is tied in with what we were talking about earlier, the price of uh, drink. Hi Patricia, we go out to the weekend and uh, my tipple of choice is a Bulmers. The price of the Bulmers can vary. I can pay anything from... 
Now, it, this is either a pint of Bulmers or it's a, the large bottle of Bulmers. I don't know. Maybe it's a pint. The price can vary from €5 Euro to €6.50, Euro depending, depending on where I am. I know if you're going into late night bars, there's certainly it's it's always more expensive. But it's a huge difference, isn't it, there? Anything from €5 Euro to €6.50. Euro uh, oh, and by the way, says this texter, I didn't have my first drink until I was 18 years of age. But I just thought that from that study I thought that was one of the things that really struck me was that in the, the younger people are saying that when they started drinking you know that age is getting younger compared to the older generation people over 50 certainly didn't start drinking until later on maybe uh, 16, 17, even, and in this case, uh, 18. How many people waited until they're 18 or how many people are waiting today until they're 18? It looks like they're uh, certainly drinking at a younger age. 0818-103-103. We're going to take a break and we're back talking about this year's I'm a Celebrity. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. ITV's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here is once again back in its natural habitat of the Australian jungle following the lifting of COVID restrictions to discuss how week one has gone. I'm joined by our showbiz reporter and that is Crossy. Good morning to Crossy. Good morning. What a week it's been. Wow. <laughs> we, 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 we've missed the jungle, haven't we? There's something really special about it being in the Australian jungle. Do you know what? I think it was a blessing in disguise that they went to Wales for two years, what, two or three years. And the only reason is it's gone up two million in the UK viewing figures. And I know Virgin Media, I think they've got nearly 600,000 people in Ireland are watching it every night, which is a crazy amount of people. I think we just. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I think we had it for so long. And then when we didn't have it and it wasn't the usual, you know, really sunny torrential rain, any of the kind of Australian foods that they were eating, when we didn't have that, now that it's back, it feels like it's fresh again. So I think, yeah, I think it was a good thing that it hasn't been on for the past few years. Now, on Wednesday night, 7.2 million tuned in to see the former Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, uh, enter. Was that a genius move by the producers to get him to sign up? Do you know what? I don't think we're going to know for the next, I'd say, week or so if he lasts that long. Um, I, I can already see online that there are people in, in the UK that absolutely and utterly despise that man. And I don't think no matter what he does, they all collectively hate him. And it's you can even see some of the housemates in there as well. I know um, Chris Moyles, Boy George. I know Charlene. She was on Loose Women and on ITV News. They've been really like, you know, I think Boy George said the other night that his mom was in hospital and he couldn't go visit her and he was afraid she was going to die. And he was like, if she had died and he walked in here to I'm a Celebrity, he would have just left. He was like, I'm blaming everything on this man here. So I, I think I know what ITV were trying to do, but I think maybe next year probably would have been a better time. I think it's too fresh in everyone's mind. But the only other issue that people have is what if people start liking him? Because you don't know the real who he is or what he is. Yeah, you know, yeah. over we probably don't know we don't know that that much about him. You know, you'll see him on Sky News or whatever, but that's really it. But I um I think we were talking about this morning. There are some people now going, Ah, he's not that bad. And that's that that's a, a weird thing and a really good, you know, why I'm a celebrity is great because it can change your mind on a lot of people. You know, some people you may never have heard of that are on on the um, I'm a celebrity. Maybe you disliked Boy George, but now you're kind of going, oh, he's not a bad lad after all. So I think in the next week, people are going to start seeing whether he should have went in or maybe he should have went in. But it, it's real. It's a real good experiment, I think, to but, see what but, people but, and even. But, the housemates uh, but, are getting off. But, uh, but I wonder, did Matt Hancock himself stop and think about how even the campmates have received him? And did the producers even factor that in? I don't think so. I think the producers are very much like, let's make a lot of headlines. We're back after a few years. How do we do it? Let's get somebody in who a lot of people dislike and see will he ruffle a few feathers in the camp um he's getting about four hundred and fifty thousand for it he's got a book out next year so this is the perfect way to flog his book because people will want to talk to him when he leaves now you've got two issues here um noel uh, edmonds was in it a couple of years ago and they paid a lot of money for him and he was the first one voted out so they paid all that money and he was only in it for three or four days could this happen with matt hancock are people going to keep him in to make his life a misery or are they just going to go, nah, this is a joke. Let's get him out. He still gets the money. He's still out there for three weeks, but he may not be on the TV. So it's a really interesting one. I was just like, is he mad? Like he's working. And I think Chris Moyle said that this week as well. He was like, your job is in parliament. You're supposed to be working. Why aren't you with your constituents? So it was good to see that, you know, like you, you've got celebrities in there who have real life issues. And they're going, this is wrong on so many levels. And I love the way the comedian Babatunde is calling him out on it in a very <laughs> funny way, constantly. The guy is just brilliant. I think it, 
it's been a really good I'm a celebrity for him. I know day one when he didn't walk on that ledge. Now, I don't think I would have done it either. I was going, oh, no, people are going to start judging him now or they're going to be nasty to him. I think his personality is outshone. And if you watched it last night, then um, they all got what, things that they wanted from home. And he got a Kodak camera so he can take photographs and yeah. memories. And he actually turned to Matt Hancock and says, <laughs> memories of everyone, but not of you. And I was like, yes, fair play to you. And, and of course, what, what what we can now expect, certainly for the rest, uh, for the for across the weekend and early into next week, every single trial Matt Hancock will be voted to do. <laughs> see, and, and see, this is where the problem could be. What if people start really liking him then? So like not for us, like you need. I, I, it's very strange. Like that's why I'm so interested in it. Are you going to have people going? Mm, oh, he's not that bad. Or has it been such horrific times in the UK that they're going now? Let's just keep giving. Uh, them. Let's anyone, keep giving anyone them. whose family was touched in any way by COVID, yeah. they all point the finger of blame at Matt Hancock and and what he subsequently then got yeah. up to. What everyone was doing, social distancing and, and not able to go visit uh, their their loved ones. Okay, so leave leave him aside. Who who who's standing out for you? Who are the stars of this year? Do you know who I love? Eileen Grimshaw, Sue Cleaver from uh, Coronation Street. Isn't she brilliant? Unreal. She's coming across like someone who just is a lovely human being, says it as it is, smiles, is happy. And I love that one when, when celebrities like old school celebrities from Soapland go into it. Like they're not these highfalutin comedians or A-list celebrities. There's someone that's on your TV every night of the week and you're getting to see them in the jungle. She looks brilliant. She's having the crack with everyone. Um, I think she's doing really well. Boy George, I'm a bit torn on. He's annoying me some days. He's funny the next. So I, I, do you know when sometimes you're you're kind of going, what would you think about him? I I have no comment on him because... I think I give out about him more than I than I sh- probably should be giving out about giving out about him. Were you surprised um, to else? see him getting voted for the try last night with Matt? No, no, yeah. I wasn't. And I think I, I even if you're watching online, there's a lot of people who have a lot of hate for Boy George. So I, I yeah, I was I wasn't surprised at all. Now that would be interesting. I think by him, you know changing his clothes and putting those little circles on it I think some people in the camp are going to go why are you doing that like you're you're just like the rest of us stop trying to stand out so that could be interesting I know he's, sp- he's spoken a few times to Charlene because she's been too bossy I'm kind of in my head I'm going do you know what he could start after seven days of no proper food he, maybe next week we're going to see a lot more arguments and who else is going to get in the way like who else is he going to row with um, Chris Moyles is doing really well um, for people who don't know who he is he had a breakfast show in the UK for 10 years like I think 15 million people used to listen to it at its height so a lot of people know who he is he's a grafter he used to be about 25 stone he's about 12 stone now I think he keeps mentioning it on the show he does um, he's looking great <laughs> he's looking great I'm really surprised people are really taking to him because he's been really genuine but like he's on the radio every day you know if he wasn't genuine people wouldn't have listened to him mm. um, I'm loving Owen Warner the guy from Hollyoaks I think he's a bit <laughs> like Joey F how has that him. how has that man survived for 23 years on this earth <laughs> <laughs> with some of the things he comes out with, and and and, and I, I saw somebody on Twitter saying, "Oh, he's trying to be Joey Essex." I don't think he is. I think he he genuinely no. is a very gullible young man who doesn't know a lot is, about a lot. On day one, there was a I think a four second clip, and not that many people heard. I remember we rewind. I was like, rewind that television there to, to make sure that he said that right. 
when Scarlett from that TV show, A Place in the Sun, walked out, yeah. Boy George says, oh, it's Scarlett from A Place in the Sun. And he's like, oh, whereabouts is that? <laughs> Boy George was like, and, that's and, a TV show. And, and the other one was uh, Mike Tyndall, the rugby player, who, of course, is married to Princess <laughs> Anne's daughter, Zara Phillips. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and when he said he met her in Australia, he said, is she Australian? And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just so hard he could win it. Yeah. I think he could be the underdog. You've got all the young Hollyoaks fans that are always online, that are always, you know, that, that he's got a big fan base as it is. And if he gets in with everyone, but I think the winner, I, I'm, I was looking at it last night, I'm going, at the early stages, who is the probably the most person that's going to win? I think it's going to be Jill. So do Lioness. I. 100%. I really, 100%. And I like her. I like her. She's very, like, she's kind of like the male version of Peter Crouch. Yeah. She's just fun. And yeah. she's everything. You can kind of, you know she was a captain of a team because I kind of like how she's, she doesn't give out. She's fun. Like her, the what she had last night was four plays of Sweet Caroline. Yes, like, for, and that was done. Yeah, that? and that was done for the for the whole cast. Just one thing on uh, Sue um, Eileen from Carrie. Have you noticed she has an in, what I think is an insulin monitor on the side of her arm? And I'm wondering is that why she wasn't allowed to go into? She was exempt from the trial tonight because tonight's is an eating trial. I would say so. I would so say I, that could be the reason it does why. Look, then, it yeah. does look like it's the, an insulin monitor. And the other one was year. the other one was Matt Hancock said when he was originally asked why he was going to go into the jungle, he said he wanted to draw attention to dyslexia. I haven't heard him mention his dyslexia once. Have you? Either have I, and I because I, I was like, why? Why would you? Why would you say that's the reason why? You know, like I, I have a lot of friends in the media that are dyslexic, and I remember I was asking them about it. And they're like, that is such a weird reason for wanting to be in it. Like, such a weird reason. Um, but, uh, look, I, I think he's in it to sell a book and he's in there to make a lot of money. Mm. And I, I think I that's probably a lot of people have seen that his true colours with that. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's probably going to be on every trial for the next while as well. Until it starts getting boring. But yeah. I, I don't think it will get boring. I think okay, the UK and, are at this stage. And then, of course, the real stars, uh, Ant and Deck, they just seem to be enjoying themselves. Don't they? It, they? They look like they're in a really good place now. You think after, what, 21 years of the jungle, they'll be getting tired of it. I just think because they had that break from Australia, I really think it's brand new. It feels like a fresh show. They're They're just... They're a safe pair at cheesy hands, but isn't it nice to have that? That's uh, fantastic. Every once it's in a fantastic. while on TV. And by the way, can I say to you, you were looking very smart last night. I spotted you on the six one news, helping to turn on the Christmas lights in Dublin. Well, do you know what? That was so. We turn them on every year. Um, our radio station do in Dublin on Grafton Street, and yesterday the Little Blue Heroes. Uh, it's a fantastic Garda Garda charity. Yeah, and uh, was three four year olds. Um. And they were turning them on with us. And the six one were just there to take a shot of three little kids. And what they said to me and Enya was, we'll probably just get your bellies in it because, you know, the shots are going to be on the kid. So I had to make sure we were timed out at 6.56.03. And that was in my ear, that, the whole thing. 
But didn't something happen on RT News? And I had to, I had to start talking for about four minutes. I ran out of things to say. And then all of a sudden the camera came on me and I was going, we're live on the 6-1 News. I was going, oh dear God, I cannot believe. But it was great. It was brilliant. Well, you, Christmas you, has officially yeah, begun. You handled it like a true a pro and they, and they look wonderful. And is there, is there any curtailing of the lights in Dublin or are they, are they on now the whole time? They're on all the time. The, the, the thing about it is, is that um, they cost the same amount as an electric shower would, would be if you had a shower. They're energy saving lights. So um, they don't cost I know people money. are giving out, they know they're going to be costing a lot of money, but they actually are. They're they very, don't. very cheap the way they're done. So OK, OK, um, listen, uh, enjoy the lights. Uh, enjoy another week of I'm a Celebrity and we'll talk to you again next uh, Friday. Thanks a million, Crossy. Amazing. Bye Thank bye. you. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye bye. bye, bye. bye. Uh, is uh, the wonderful uh, our showbiz uh, reporter of, out of our Dublin station, uh, Crossy. Uh, 0818 As I say, and I did mention it earlier, it really is my guilty pleasure. I'm one of those people that absolutely adore. I'm a celebrity. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, uh, but I certainly enjoy it. Somebody says, boy, George is coming across as a total pain. Uh, a lot of people, I think, will agree with that. Thank you for that. OK, chance now to win our final pair of Christy Moore Live at the Marquee tickets that we've been giving away all this week after Christy announced he's coming back to us in Cork and playing a gig on the 17th of uh, June. He is one of the most compelling and inspirational musicians that Ireland has ever seen and he is a total legend when it comes as a singer and as a songwriter. He's released 30 solo uh, albums and actually his latest album last year, Flying Into Mystery, that became the Hot Press Folk Album of the Year. We all love a little bit of Christy Moore. Here's your Christy Moore track. I wish the day that soon would come. Any idea what the name of that track is, please? I'm thinking it was probably the hardest one we've given out all week, but maybe I'm wrong. Genuine Christy Moore fans will straight away know what it was did take me a little bit and a couple of listens before I was able to absolutely identify what it was. So we need just the name of the song, please. And we need that along with your name and address. You need to text or WhatsApp 86 2103103. We'll give it about 10 minutes or thereabouts and Bernie will select a winner, which we will then announce. So let's play the song again. I wish the day that soon would come Such a gorgeous voice and that is a gorgeous, gorgeous song. Christy Moore, live at the Marquee, Saturday the 17th of June 2023. Your chance to win that last pair of tickets and failing that, you can purchase your tickets. They're on sale now at ticketmaster.ie but get texting or WhatsApping please to 086 103. Let me look at some of your thoughts and comments that are coming in. I was speaking about I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Can I get over a number of people are not liking Boy George in it. Somebody said, I thought I was really going to like Boy, Boy, Boy George, but he's coming across as so boring. I can understand, says this texter, why he got uh, voted to do the Bush Tucker trial last night. And then on Matt Hancock, which is, was probably the most controversial of all of the campmates. Hi Trish. On the very first night, Matt Hancock was in the jungle. He couldn't read Mole Headquarters that was written over the little cave that they were going into. But since then, he hasn't mentioned 
mentioned his dyslexia. I, I, I didn't actually spot that he wasn't able to read Mole Headquarters. What I did notice was when he went in and when it came up on the screen, the challenges that they were to do, he was quite clearly able to read those and di- didn't appear to be stumbling. Now, maybe he's got a form of, of dyslexia that he's really worked hard on his, and he's you know acquired his own skills. But yeah, but I mean, his reason for going in, he always said, was that he wanted to, you know, to tell people about dyslexia and have a greater awareness of it. I think a crazy way to give a great awareness for dyslexia, bearing everything that's happened in the UK with COVID. And he was in charge at the time. But only time will tell. I think Crossy makes a good point, though. Uh, will, will the tide turn? towards him because certainly if you're online reading comments about the man he really is hated in the UK so we'll see how the next number of weeks unfolds. Now we were discussing drinking on the programme today with Drink Aware and their study showing that young people are starting to drink at a younger age and it was just a coincidence that that report is out at the same time that Heineken have decided to up the price of their kegs of beer to publicans and it's going to put anything up to 50 cent. We're not sure but anything up to 50 cent on a price of a pint of Heineken products from the 1st of December. John in the city says that latest price increase by Heineken will simply drive people away from controlled drinking, i.e. controlled drinking meaning going to the pub for a few drinks. And what they'll do instead is they'll be doing most of their drinking at home, getting drunk from their off-licence or supermarket purchase. There's no control over the size or how much you drink when you're consuming alcohol at home. John is fearful that that will lead to an increase in domestic violence because of the amount of home drinking that will go on. Again, only time will tell. Tim and Toker says, Patricia, with regards to alcohol price increases, just want to make a a point. There is a pub in Cork City it's Weatherspoons on Paul Street where they charge you €3 Euro for a pint and €2 Euro if you opt for their own brand of beer. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with it, says Tim. Half price in comparison to other pubs for other drinks and that also includes the price of shorts, our spirits. I believe this group of pubs are to open up another pub soon in another part of Cork. Oh, and by the way, they're doing a booming business. We all know pubs abused the situation during the pandemic and I think there's an element of greed attached to this particular increase and that's from Tim in Toker. And Tim is right, there is a Weatherspoons in uh, Cork City and Weatherspoons, for those that don't know, it's a kind of a chain of uh, pubs that started in England and they've branched out since uh, to Ireland. But I was reading, I mean, they have a huge, there's a huge number of Weatherspoon pubs in in the UK and it's that's what it's known for. They sell drink and they do food as well and they sell it cheaper and I don't know if it's because they bulk buy or not is the reason that they can do it. Those Weatherspoons in the UK isn't doing too good at the moment. They've already this year closed 32 of their pubs and they've just announced this week that they're going to shut a further seven pubs. So that would be 39 venues in total will will close across the uh, UK and they say that they're doing it for commercial uh, reasons and they are uh, they, they say that they're losing money. They're facing losses of up to 30 million pounds as a result of wage staff and repairs and the general cost of living. So they're not doing too good in the UK. Now I'm not saying that that's what's going to follow suit here in uh, Ireland but certainly they've been known to always in the UK and that's when they opened up here in Ireland. I don't know how many how many pubs they actually have here in Ireland. A lot of people say that there isn't the same atmosphere inside in Weatherspoons. 
Um, others think it's great because certainly it is a cheaper way to buy alcohol. Thanks for your text, uh, Tim, to 086-2103-103. I spoke about the NCTs and the delays with the NCTs and the worrying news that some people, while it's at the discretion of the Gardaí, but we're hearing of some people are getting stopped by the Gardaí. And if you don't have an NCT, you are technically in breaking the law and therefore they can you can be issued with a fine of 80 euro and receive three uh, penalty points and that's worrying people now others are saying they got stopped by the Gardaí as soon as they showed the Gardaí that they had an appointment made for their NCT they got waved on and the Gardaí were fine and the the Gardaí say are pains to point that out that the Gardaí will accept you know any evidence of a test uh, booked has been made but they do say it is at the, indiscre- the the individual discretion of the member so you know I don't know whether that means you get, a, you get somebody in a bad mood and they decide that they're going to fine you and give you penalty points and then of course as we pointed out if you do decide to go to court on it the problem is the fine gets doubled but your penalty points get doubled and you, if you've 12 penalty points you can be put off the road for a period of uh, time. Donna says, Hi Patricia, uh, regarding the NCT and the waiting times, I've got a car and I have a van. Both the tests are similar. My local garage is able to test my van. The waiting time is about a week. Why can't the government allow local garages that do van testing? Why can't they allow those to do uh, cars as well, says Donald? And that's the way they do, What's it, in England it is an NCT, it's an MOT test, isn't that what they call it in the UK? And in the UK, the local garages run the, uh, the MOT. But in this country, what we did since we introduced the NCT was we put it out to tender to a con to companies and the company that got it was was um, Aplus and it is a 600 million euro contract and they get the contract for 10, 10 years. Now, maybe when this particular contract is up we're going to have to wait until 2029, maybe the powers that be will go back to the drawing board and look how it operates in other countries and instead give the NCT tests to local garages and Donald is right they're able to do it for vans and if they can do it for vans why can't they do it for cars it certainly would put an end to this ridiculous situation where we end up with massive backlogs and as I mentioned we have had backlogs before but nothing like what we're having at the moment at the end of September 360,000 vehicles were awaiting an inspection and many of those their actual original NCT was out of date so you know going by the law they're driving illegally you shouldn't be on the road unless you have an up to date NCT so there's a lot of people driving around through no fault of their own though have to emphasise that absolutely no fault in their own and then I was saying that I'd seen a warning for people who know that their NCT is going to be up you know maybe the start of the year or that you should really be applying now because people who are applying now are getting uh, test dates I think we're into April now at this stage if you apply to to get a, a test so if you know your NCT is up maybe you should be applying and then I was wondering how far in advance can you actually apply and Dennis one of our listeners a man in the know thank you for this Dennis said you can apply six months in advance before your car is due for your first NCT i.e. a four-year-old car. So if you're driving around in a car that's four years old, you've never had an NCT, you can apply six months before the registration date of that car for your NCT. 
but for all other cars, so for your second and subsequent NCTs, you can only book it three months in advance of the NCT test. Dennis says, good on the Gardaí for finally enforcing the law. There are too many cowboys... Dennis reckons, out on the roads. Everybody knows, everybody knows about the NCT car test backlog. Everybody's known about it for months. It's their own fault if they get caught. They should take some responsibility for not having a valid NCT, which I think is a little bit unfair, Dennis. And I know you're right, we all know, but we need busy lives and everyone is not looking at their, their windscreen to see exactly when their NCT is up and they only find out about it when the email or the letter comes in from NCT. And I think they give you about a month's notice and of course if you try and apply with a month's notice you definitely then at the moment are going to be waiting uh, months but then you're going to have people in the same situation that I found myself in that I had applied in time to do my NCT and I had my official date and then I got the dreaded COVID and I couldn't go and I had to cancel and when I cancelled I had to wait six months for the next test date until I went on at midnight and got an earlier date instead. So there are people who try to do everything right Dennis and then things go against them. 0818 103 103 Bernie is uh, taking your calls Let me see if Bernie has... She does. Okay, you can stop calling us on this. I wish the day that soon would come. What is the song called? The song is called Black is the Colour. And again, huge, huge response to this. And I'm just flicking down through it. Did everybody get it right? They did. They did. Oh, if you got it wrong. Phew says, um, I'm missing you. No, it's not called that. It's called Black is the Colour. Uh, I love the ground you walk on. Somebody else says, no, the official title is called Black is the Colour and our winner. Let me go to our winner, which has been randomly selected. And our winner is Black is the Colour. Correct answer. Chris O'Flynn in Castleview in Carrick Tool. Congratulations, Chris O'Flynn, Castleview, Carrick Tool. Chris will be heading along with somebody else because it's to a pair of tickets to Christy Moore live at the Marquee Saturday the 17th of June with a reminder to you that tickets are now officially on sale and you can purchase tickets through Ticketmaster.ie The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county See CorkCoco.ie West Cork Dancing returns to Bandon GAA Pavilion It's on tonight from 10pm Admission is €10 and you purchase your tickets at the door Kildallery Bingo will be held in the newly renovated Old Store that's in the Creamery Yard 8 o'clock start tonight a jackpot €1,140 Buttevant Pantomime Club and Dorada School of Dance are hosting their pantomime Jack and Jill do you call that a beanstalk? It's on fr- Friday. Uh, it's tonight, actually. Tonight and tomorrow night. Half past seven, Bodvin GAA Hall. Adults are €12, Euro, children 6 You can get a family ticket for €32. Euro. And tickets for Shambhalimore Christmas Light Raffle are available online at idonate.ie and from local committee members. Tickets cost €5 Euro each or 3 for 10 with proceeds going towards the purchase of Christmas lights. The prize includes a Circle K fuel voucher, 40 kg bags of coal and firewood. Very practical prizes indeed. And lock up a play 
by David Trimston will be performed by Skull Drama Group tomorrow night 8 o'clock in Lenamore Centre. Tickets at the door or you can call 027 739 And the Fastnet Rally Celebration Day will be held tomorrow Saturday with a car run starting at 1. Sign-on is at Ryan's filling station in Rascarbury. Rally night will be held in the West Cork Hotel at 8. Admission is free but donations will be taken and the donations are going to the Irish Air Ambulance. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. And by the way, just to let you know, it's going to be next week. It's going to be Tuesday, I think, of next week. We're actually going to be talking more about the delays with the NCTs and particularly the worry that some people have that if they get stopped by a guard and at the guard, the discretion whether to issue with a fine and penalty uh, points that is worrying a lot of uh, people. And do the guardie all need to be singing off the same hymn sheet, particularly when it's not somebody's fault as to why they're driving around with an invalid NCT search. So we're going to be talking about that in more detail. But as I say, it's going to be uh, Tuesday of uh, next uh, week, just to give you the heads up on uh, that. And just on drinking and the way we drink in this country, a listener says, Patricia, it'll make no difference what the price of drink is in this country. And I'll tell you why. Because the Irish will still drink. We are a country of hard drinkers. Everything seems to revolve around where, when and where the next drink is due. There are so many heavy drinkers in the town where I live and at times I can't understand how they're able to afford to drink every weekend. But people, if they want to find money for drink, they always will. And someone else says, Patricia, you were talking during the week about art and how art has been attacked around the world at various museums by environmentalists. Did you see what happened in Cork last night at the Crawford? I did. I don't have very much of an update on this, except um, I know a man was arrested. It was a protest by environmentalists and it was at the wonderful Crawford Art Gallery. The man was is described as in his 20s. He's under understood to have been part of a group of activists who are protesting against oil exploration and that is mirrored right across the world. It's alleged that a liquid substance was thrown at the, patient, at the painting shortly before five. The Gardaí from Bridewell were alerted following the reports of the alleged criminal damage and this man in his 20s was arrested. It's understood a free public tour was being conducted at the gallery. Now, the gallery stays open until eight o'clock on a Thursday and, and th- that's why it was open later than it normally would, would be. A spokesperson for the gallery, when asked about the incident, said they were unable able to comment and of course as I say this is an instance that similar instances have happened um, uh, all, all over the world there was one during the week on a money wasn't there in Berlin or was that last one this, that's when somebody threw I think it was mashed potato there's big beans have been thrown at paintings there's been cans of tomato soup are opened and thrown at paintings but this is paint and so I, I really hope that the, the painting hasn't been damaged in any way and someone was saying do we know what the painting is or the value of it we don't it wasn't well certainly up to last night now maybe more has broken since I've been on air this morning but certainly up to last night it wasn't known what painting had been targeted by the, the Crawford uh, Art Gallery you would just hope that it, if it is paint been thrown at a painting that it's some way behind glass and it's only the glass gets affected but no doubt more will come out from that story and on a good news story on this Friday and a follow up to a piece 
piece we did uh, yesterday, the planned amalgamation of the two Cork City secondary schools. It's been called off and it's been called off following considerable opposition. This was the proposed merger of St Vincent's Secondary School and the North Presentation Secondary School. They're both on the north side of Cork City and it was to happen. It was to be introduced from next September, but it's been called off. The school's trustees confirmed yesterday because when we were talking about it yesterday, we knew and I mentioned that, that the trustees were meeting at some stage yesterday. So following that meeting, they have called it off. Now, that followed a call from the Taoiseach, uh, Micheál Martin, local TDs, city councillors, parents, students were what who we highlighted and were talking to uh, yesterday. They all asked to, for a rethink of the move which had proposed the new school becoming co-educational and based at the existing site of the North Presentation School in Farnry. So it was the girls at St Vincent's were the ones who were going to be most affected. Uh, parents had strong, strongly objected to the plans with students from St Vincent's telling us yesterday on the programme that they were left utterly heartbroken, completely blindsided by the planned move because it was just presented to them as a fait accompli. It wasn't that they were saying, look, we're considering this. It literally got announced into the classrooms and then to, subsequently to the parents. St Vincent's will remain an all-girls school and it will remain at its present site. The Religious Sisters of Charity confirmed in a statement posted on the school's website yesterday. It wanted to acknowledge with regret the potential impact this decision will have on the North Presentation Secondary School. So it looks like they still wanted to go ahead with it, but they've bowed to all of the opposition. And the Save St Vincent's Secondary School group, that was a group that set up very, very quickly. They yesterday said that they were grateful to the Religious Sisters of Charity for listening to our concerns and more importantly to the voices of the students at St Vincent's on the, in the Dáil on just Wednesday of this week the Taoiseach said a fundamental principle of partnership in education is consultation. Parents, he said, this was on Wednesday are clear that they had not been consulted enough in respect of this proposal and uh, Micheál Martin's view on Wednesday is that there should be full and comprehensive consultation with the parents in respect of uh, this issue because a lot of concerns have been uh, raised and I think that's what astounded most people was that this decision had been made by the Board of Trustees and look, and look they're entitled to make decisions uh, around the school but such a huge decision as this to actually close St Vincent's amalgamated with another school, go from an all-girls school to a co-ed uh, school and then physically move all of the students into a, into another premises just seemed a little bit of a step too far without any form of consultation. You would have assumed that when this, and I don't know who first came up with the plan, was it the North Presentation Secondary School? Did they contact St Vincent's first or did St Vincent's contact the North Pres? I don't know the background to actually how it all came about. But you would have thought when someone had decided that this is something that we might look at you would think that all of the stakeholders would be involved you would think that the all of the staff would be involved the parents would be involved and dare I say even the pupils these are secondary school pupils I mean, some of the Leaving Cert classes are, those that are in the Leaving Cert class are probably already young adults they will probably already had their 18th birthday or will have had their 18th will, will hit 18 while in school that surely they get they should have had consultation and to be allowed to air air their views whereas instead 
it was, as I say, presented as a fait accompli and they were told that come next September, you won't be coming back to this building, you'll be going to the North Prez instead. Oh, and by the way, we're going co-ed, so there'll be boys in your class uh, as well. And it just seemed to be a step too far. They also seem to have a really good uh, autism unit, an ASD unit, and that obviously for, for the pupils, for the parents of the children in that particular unit, it was causing real, real upset for them because anyone on the autism spectrum, it doesn't take change quite as easy as somebody not on the spectrum so there would have been huge problems you could foresee huge problems there but anyway they've listened power to the people and all that and they've listened uh, to uh, the uh, the people's concerns and the parents and the pupils I imagine in particular and they've changed th- their mind so the plan is amal- amalgamation of those two schools will not now be going ahead 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We're going to take a break and we're back uh, talking movies with Mark Malone. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joining us. Good afternoon, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Okay, you went along to see two movies. One is called Watcher and the second is called The Long uh, King. Okay, let's take a quick trailer from Watcher. Let's see, does this work for us? Hmm. There we go. She too? I, uh... You don't speak Romanian. You don't like? No, it's lovely. (laughs) (laughs) There's this guy that lives across the street and he's always looking over here. Looking over here how? Every time I look over there, he's just staring right at me. Hello, darling. Any reason in particular you're standing in the dark? Do you feel like coming in for a drink? Yeah. Have you noticed anyone watching you in your apartment? No. This guy has been watching us since we moved in. Maybe he's staring at the woman who's staring at him. What's happening? They found a woman murdered in her apartment. They're saying the woman had her head cut off. Okay, I'm tired. I'm telling you now, I would literally move. <laughs> okay, so the, it's it's set in Bucharest, is it? Uh, it's in, in Romania, yeah. It's yeah. A, this American woman, she's uh, married to a Romanian man. Well, from a Romanian background, and uh, he gets a job in Bucharest, and so therefore it's a good job. So they decide, she was a former actress, and uh, so they decide to uh, move to Bucharest to, uh, to uh, kind of facilitate uh, his new job. It's funny you should say that, because you would say, you know, I would move. The interesting thing is that she's staring at the window, and there's this creepy man looking at uh, looking uh, just across you she's in this kind of big apartment block yeah. and uh, so just think rear window and uh, you know there's another apartment block um, across the road and of course nobody has their blinds closed obviously in Romania in Bucharest nobody closed their blinds and if you look and you see this creepy man constantly staring at you from out the window what would you do 
You would pull the blinds. But, yeah, but, is, but is the husband seeing him staring at her? Well, the thing is, is that, you see, this is where the film, and, and this is where it's kind of similar to what we've seen before, because, of course, nobody believes her. And, uh, yeah. you know, again... Paranoia. And, exactly, yeah. Is she paranoid? Is she just because she's lonely? Because she's at uh, she's uh, at home all day on her own? She's waiting for her husband to come home? And therefore, is all of this real or is all of this in her mind? And this is the kind of stuff we've seen before. It's very kind of this Hitchcockian idea of kind of emotions and, uh, and what is real and what is fantasy and what... Uh, you know, and that, that's certainly the case here. I mean, we've seen uh, this has been done quite a few times, and even in the last kind of few years, uh, there was a film with Amy Adams you might remember a couple of years ago um, called The Woman in the Window. Oh, I uh, thought, yeah, yeah, and I, I think, yeah. and I think there's one called The Voyeurs, I think, which is on uh, Netflix, which again is very, very similar. And of course, it all goes back to Hitchcock and the Rear Window, yeah. where basically you're looking out your window and you're seeing into the windows of the other people. At one stage, for example, he, she, he, uh, the husband comes into the room and the, the lights are off, and he says, "What are you doing?" And she says, "I'm people watching," uh, and so. But the thing is, is that in the area, uh, what is happening, there's a serial killer at work. And she then begins to believe that uh, this man who's staring at her from across the, 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 the road uh, is... Could be the killer. Could be the killer. And okay. so, and it's funny, it's interesting because both films uh, feature kind of the main protagonist as women kind of trying to kind of solve the mystery. And so therefore she decides that she, because she's nothing better to do, uh, decides uh, to kind of try and solve this mystery. Is it because, uh, you know, he begins to follow her, he begins to follow her uh, into the... Uh, into 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 the uh, shopping market, for example, and uh, she then begins to think that uh, he could possibly be uh, the killer. Uh, the, the the killer, well, the person in question here is played by Bern Gorman, who is kind of an actor whose name you won't know, but if you see him, you'll see and you'll notice him, you'll know him because he really is very very creepy in this film. Uh, the main role here as Julia is played by Micah uh, Monroe, and she is terrific. She really is. It's a very very small budget movie, and it's one of these small kind of B movies that makes it into the cinema and normally when that happens it means it's really really very good mm. it's a first time director her name is Chloe Okuno and she does a terrific job here obviously she's been influenced by Hitchcock for example for example there's uh, there's a lot of scenes down staircases and that's very Hitchcockian and we've seen that before and as you heard in the trailer the trailers were kind of very slow moving it's, yeah. you know you heard the, 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 uh, the violin there and that's one of the criticisms for a lot of people the critics love this uh, a lot of the kind of fans who kind of watch this say look it's very very slow moving you know what I mean it but needs it, to move on you want to, to get somewhere but I loved it because what yeah. she's doing is constantly engineering the yeah. uh, you know the the, the the tension she's constantly making you kind of question yourself is she, you know is what she's seeing for real is it not is she crazy is she sane is he the killer is he not uh, you know and uh, and it's very very clever and a number of other characters then a local stripper for example who lives next door uh, she then is introduced as well so you're questioning yourself all the time and it's beautifully done it really is and I mean you know it's, it's an hour and a half long to, I'll be brutally honest with you I wanted to go and see the new Black Panther film walk <laughs> Wakanda but I couldn't make it okay. so I went and this is not normally a film that I would go and see uh, but I really really enjoyed it I don't particularly like horror it's not really horror it's a psychological drama um, and there's nothing here to terrify I'm, you I'm, as much but, without, but you do get that feeling up the back of your neck yeah, quite a lot yeah. yeah and without giving too much away is is it a good ending or because you know the way sometimes these it can be a disappointing ending and you're thinking oh for God's sake what did I watch that for um, is, did, were you satisfied with the ending very much so were yes, you okay. I was yes. alright that's that's all, that's all we need to know and it's called Watcher okay mark it out of 10 yeah not The Watcher because there's lots of movies out yeah. there called The Watcher yeah. there's quite a few of them okay. uh, this is just called Watcher, Watcher yeah. okay. I'll give it 8 8 out of 10 yeah. okay alright now the second movie you watched is The Lost King yeah I think you'll enjoy this uh, much more I think and it's this is kind of uh, you know down your 
your alley uh, much more than uh, the previous film. Uh, this is uh, all about the discovery of the remains of King Richard III, which you might remember was These in all the papers. were found, yeah, is after about, 50, they were nearly 500 years missing or something, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah, they found him in a car park yeah. of all places. Yeah, yeah. well, that's the, 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 this is a kind of a, a, kind of a dramatised version of that. And okay. what it does is it, it concentrates on uh, the character here uh, of uh, Philippa Langley, played by Sally Hawkins. And she's just, uh, you know, she, you know, there's been a lot of kind of very, very well-known and well-educated uh, people in the past uh, searching for the remains of Richard III. And uh, she's just an, an amateur kind of uh, historian. Uh, basically, she's, um, uh, you know, she uh, she's divorced from her husband, here played by um, uh, Steve Coogan. And, um, oh, I love Steve Coogan. And she loses her job and so decides, then becomes obsessed about um, uh, Richard III and where he is. Yeah. And she kind of becomes this kind of amateur historian. So she just basically talks to people um, all the time. The thing about a film like this, and I, I often wonder, and I think I've discussed this with you before, uh, if you take a kind of a real life story like this and what and happens And this is based on a true story It's based on a true yeah. story Yeah okay. um, I often wondered you know because these films kind of um, portray good and bad and evil in an almost kind of simplistic kind of way and it's the way they do it if they did with Eddie the Eagle for example he came across uh, you know there were people who didn't want him uh, to represent Britain in, in the Olympics yeah. and of course those who didn't were portrayed as almost kind of cartoon kind of villains and they did so too with um, The Phantom of the Open for example recently which I really really liked and if you remember remember Silent Runnings yeah, about the yeah. Jamaican Bob Slay yeah. team in the film uh, the Eastern European kind of teams kind of basically kind of um, reacted to them with kind of almost a racist kind of prejudice kind of uh, attitude in the film because it worked better for the film in reality that wasn't that the case at all happen, in yeah. fact they were very supportive of them because they thought yeah. this was great and this is what has happened here with this film and Leicester University who had been also trying desperately to try and find uh, where the remains of Richard III were have not um, responded very positively with this film because they are in this film kind of represented once again as cartoon villains oh. and and they have no response responded to it at all. They said, look, Philippa Langley played a part. She was wonderful. And and we don't want to underestimate her part in locating the remains of Richard III. But we weren't the people that you see on the screen here uh, in any way, shape or form. And, uh, and I think uh, Steve Coogan, who's the producer here as well, also had to come out and say, no, look, you know, this is the reality. This is what happened. You know, they were embarrassed that an amateur historian kind of stepped on their toes. And they're saying it wasn't that at all. We worked with her and alongside her because apparently they had a pretty good idea as to where Richard III was. But it was her involvement and her push and her, her you know, her strength that allowed... Discovered it was in the car park. That Yeah, exactly. The problem with the, with the film, though, I think, is that it underestimates her because basically uh, throughout the film, she's getting visions of Richard III and he is on horseback in front of her. She has conversations with him. At one stage, one of the kind of women characters says, look, if you want to try and get backing, if you want money to try and help you to finance this search, uh, don't talk about your feelings. Talk about your research because you know what men and how they react to women uh, using their feelings and their emotions to try and, and, uh, and achieve this. But yet that's what the film does. She believes constantly throughout the film that uh, he is here uh, in this particular car park. But we don't see, and I think it underestimated her in the sense that we don't see the research that she put in, the amount of work she put in. None of that is really here. It's almost like it's, she has a feeling, uh, you know. Yes, and, it, and she was just lucky and hit on the right spot. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, um, so it has caused uh, quite a bit of confusion. Sally Hawkins is terrific, as she always is. Steve Coogan is good. It's directed by Stephen Frears, who uh, made The Van and Philomena with um, Steve, uh, Steve, Steve Coogan. Coogan yeah. And I think 
think you will love it. I think it's 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 a fascinating story and it's beautifully uh, made. And it's it's uh, called the, the Lost King. The Lost King. And mark that out of ten. I give that eight as well. Eight out of ten. All right. Listen, thank you for that. Have a lovely week, right. and we'll chat again uh, next uh, Friday. That's Mark Malone, our movie review. So that's where I leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing. We're back with you on Monday morning. And by the way, Tommy Fleming will be joining us live in studio on Monday. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.